just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. This is episode 38 of the Real Estate Brothers, where we go over the monthly market update. Topics we're going to be talking about today, March real estate statistics in Hawaii, what does a hot market mean, and much more other relevant investing news. We paid a lot of money to get this thing produced, but this is the theme song where a local artist did this for us. Yeah. We just do local guys with so much to say today. Hey, wow. look at that. Who is that guy? <laughs> And if you guys have noticed, the interface has changed a little bit. We are live streaming across several platforms. And if you guys are catching up on the live stream, say hi, drop a comment, ask a question live. Please do not be shy. Supposedly, this interface is going to send it right to us, and we will try to answer it right away as soon as possible. Welcome, everybody. As everyone probably already knows, my name is Dean Uena. I'm a real estate investor and realtor in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm a former CPA, and so one of my value adds that I bring to the table is I'm an active investor. So if you're an investor, I'd love to help you. And also the fact that overall owner occupants helping to make a fiscal, fiscally responsible decision. So let's jump into the slides. Lena, you driving this one? Okay. Another record-breaking month for median single-family home for March 2021. Again, this is compared to March the prior year, but as you can see, 950,000 even median single-family price breaking an all-time new record, and that's a 17% jump from prior year. And so, if you think about it from the standpoint of that, was uh, COVID was just about occurring, and so. The, Theoretically, what was closing in March was the stuff that were going, was going uh, into contract pre-COVID. So theoretically, prior year, still pre-COVID. On the townhouse, condo side, not nearly as exciting, but we still have arrows, green arrows going up. So median condo prices at 451000 Great activity on the uh, transactional side, 361 closed for a single family, and that's a 19% increase from prior year. Same year prior year, and then we have 626 closed on the townhouse condos, which is a large, almost 53% increase from same time prior year. We talked about this many times before, days on market is going down, down. This is a crazy market right now, especially for single family. We have nine days on market from the point in time that the property is listed to the point it is goes into contract. And condos and townhouses is not far off at 14 days. So you'll hear a lot of you know, realtors, you see it in the, in the media, in the news, and they're always talking about it. So what does this actually mean? What I wanted to show you is a couple quick slides as, as we do. So the next one was a 10-year trend for single-family median prices. When you look at this 10-year trend, Lane, I think this is one of the reasons why we like real estate investing is this steady upward move. You know, they, they, some say the same for the stock market, but for our all intents and purposes, we look at this for the last 10 years, we have a pretty steady rise. Some you could call it a bull market. But on the tail end, you see it ramping up just a little bit more. Not as evident on the 10-year, but if you go to the next slide, we look at the three-year. Yeah? And uh, now it's a bit, it shows it a little more flat. And then in this last year or so, we see this big upswing. It's going really high. And so the next slide, so what? You know, everybody talks about what does it mean to me? And it depends on where you're at in the buying, selling, or retaining your real estate investment. So what does this mean? On the next slide, what do record high prices mean? So 
above the red line, these are buyers and sellers who are actively selling in the market right now. And so CMAs, regardless if, if you're on the buying or the selling side, I put CMAs are meaningless. So what do I mean by that? Basically, it means that with that big upwards slope in the last year, when I'm running CMAs for my clients, whether it be on the seller's or buyer side, the CMAs, you're looking at historical prices. So whether it be an appraisal or a CMA, they're both looking at historical prices. And so if they're looking at the last closes in the last 60 or even the last 30 days, even if it closed yesterday, that still represents a transaction that went into contract or was agreed upon 30 days, maybe 40 days, maybe even 60 days previously. So theoretically, that, that could be old news or obsolete news, especially when we see that ramp up in prices going up so quickly. So the challenges that I've been having is if I'm running a CMA for my buyers, is that they look at that and it's almost, almost a disservice to them because they need to look at that as a reference point, not necessarily as a guide to what they should be offering or price, putting an offer to buy the house on because Again, it's old news. And so what that is also doing, this high steep price increases, it's making it challenging on the appraisal side. So once you get into contract and you're going through the financing process and you're getting appraisal, we're seeing a lot of appraisal shortfalls. So whether you're on the buyer or the seller side, you need to be, you need to plan for those. So how do you plan for those? You need to, on the buyer side, you're, you're having you're submitting offers with appraisal clauses to say that you're going to make up the difference if the appraisal comes out short. On the seller side, it's really important that when you're going through your multiple offers, if you're if it's a single family, I'm sure hopefully you're getting multiple offers. You're looking at when you're vetting out who you're going to pick as your buyer to go into contract with. You're making sure that if they have an appraisal clause, that it will cover the difference and the fact that buyer is going to close. And they really want the place because that's the overarching thing that they're going to close. I've seen contracts recently that are going off market then going to escrow and then falling back out, becoming available because this appraisal is coming so short. I think some of the buyers are having buyer's remorse and thinking, oh, you know what? That's a very big difference to me up, make up. But what that big rise in the last year also means too, is if you were to have bought three months, six months ago, you probably have equity in your property now. So the people underneath this red line on the slide, if you own equity, you probably have a whole bunch of equity just built up really quickly. Maybe what you need to think about is if you want to, how to tap into that equity and take advantage of this steeply upward moving market. Ways you can do that is refinance or get a HELOC. If you have, if you're paying PMI, then maybe you go back and try to get that mortgage insurance waived. So there's a lot of opportunities with this upward moving market, whether you're a buyer, seller, or you're just sitting in your residence and wondering, what does this mean to me? So I wanted to break it down for everybody, just rather than just saying, oh, record-breaking sale. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you should always be doing something, right? Get like Dean said, get a loan, right? Just like the song, get a Cadillac, put some D's on it, right? Buy a house, get some debt on that thing. Or if you have PMI, you bought with PMI, remove that PMI, you got that equity in there. Yep, exactly. So there's always something to do. So, yep. You mean you can't just buy a house and not do anything? <laughs> you can if you want to, and maybe that is a good play. 
this stream art is pretty cool, Lane. That guy in Makahu bought his house cash is probably... So what's going on out there? Yeah, so on the west side, nowadays, a lot of people are in these multiple offer situations on the, the resale side, but uh, sometimes people overlook new developments. And there aren't many new construction developments going on out there. One that has just popped up that sort of recently is out in Eva by Gentry, and it's called Ma So Makamai is the most recent development. It's actually going to be the last uh, development by Eva by Gentry in that area. And it's actually a pretty cool location. It's just below West Lock, and it's just north of the Gentry Woodbridge development, which is pretty cool. It's on the north side of Everby Gentry, and it's right off of Fort Weaver Road. So it's easy to jump on that and head back up to H1 and jump on the freeway. So this, again, the last of Everby Gentry homes, it's in a great location. So I went and took some clients there yesterday and wanted to report on a little bit about this new development. So going to the next slide, the, there's going to be 150 homes built. They're all single family. They're going to be in, in the mid to high 800,000s. Some of them might creep into the low 900s depending on like lot premium. So if it's like a cul-de-sac or a perimeter lot, it might, they tack on like a lot premium. So I seen, I saw that those might creep up into the low 900,000s, but they're all four bedroom, three bath, two story homes and they're on a subdivided lot versus a CPR. So that's a cool thing. They are doing, they're releasing about four a month, four homes a month for the next about three and a half years. So one thing interesting about this new development, stepping back. So for the next slide, please name. Again, there's four models. Why is it like four better? Like kind of big. Yeah. And I think that's what the market is looking for. Is that multi-generation houses? They, they are because they're four bedroom, three bath, two story, but there's one bedroom and a full bath downstairs on all four models. So it's cool because to your point, you can have grandma and grandpa who can't go upstairs, be downstairs. I think that part is part of the design or an option. And they're pretty large. The lot sizes are relatively small. I think they're about in the 4,000 ranges, but you know, there's four models, the plan one is 18 about 1850 in terms of living square footage and the largest the plan four is 2100 living square foot the contemporary designs are really cool very open concept in the kitchen and living and dining room where it's you can multifunctional where you can open up put a dining table if you want if not you eat dinner on the island and then it transitions nicely because it's so open to the living room so it's very functional the ceilings are all nine feet, so nice vaulted. It makes it even look more open. And one of the coolest things is unlike other new developments, they're not doing a lottery system. So that's something that's pretty um, exciting. What you have to do is basically, if, if anybody wants to just hit me up, you just need to submit a pre-approval letter and then get an appointment to see all of the models. And then at that point in time, you can decide if you want to go on the wait list. So this is unique, right? They're only releasing four months. So they're creating like a bidding war in a way, right? They're not just putting a glut of properties out there like well, normal. No, see, even the other developers, the Core Ridge, they're similar where Core Ridge is, they're releasing in phases, but like a phase for them might be 15 homes. And then you enter the lottery for that phase 
of that 15, maybe only eight will be up for lottery. So like for Courage, they're on Nanea phase nine, which is, I think, the last phase for that Nanea neighborhood in Courage. So then they're going to release some more of the Luana duplexes, and then they're going to release the affordable home uh, townhouses pretty soon. I think not necessarily trying to build a mad rush, but if you do it that way, I think it's more manageable for them to administer. And then uh, pricing too, right? Because I, I think they can adjust the pricing as they go along. HOA fees, yeah, they're actually they're not that high for. I have to go back and double check. They're, it's really not that bad. I think it's like the in the hundreds and. Because Milani is what like a fifty, couple hundred bucks or something like that. Milani were pay one hundred twenty-five a quarter, but that's just for the association. What a lot of new developments are doing now is, especially Core Ridge, is they're in, including in the well. So there's two fees. There's like a maintenance and association. So the association is for the the common area, and then the rec centers. But then there's a maintenance fee that they're including certain things like high-speed internet and cable, basic cable. So then it's a little bit higher, right? So it's, I think one like hundred fifty dollars for, but that includes the cable and internet. So. Every new construction, every developer is doing it slightly different. Again, Core Ridge, difference between Core Ridge and Gentry, this model is subdivided properties. Yeah, subdivided properties versus Core Ridge in, is, gonna, is all CPR units. Yeah, so it's not subdivided. You don't own that land under you. It's considered common limited area for you to, to live on. So that, that's the difference. It is zero lot line though for the Makamai, so it's, it'll be, your house is going to be right on the property line on one side of the house, probably. So is it going to be like crazy high HOA, like a condo? It doesn't sound like that. It's just going to, it sounds like it's more like, you know, it's like a more reasonable price. And because of the fact that it's subdivided, you're not splitting the cost and everything is common area kind of thing. That's why Courage is slightly different where I believe every property is CPR'd. So for Luana, the duplexes, the one starting in the 700, the front area of each home is actually going to be maintained by the association. So your association fees are going to cover the maintenance of that front lawn. So that's a big difference too. So yeah, if anybody wants to go see Makamai, hit me up and we can get you an appointment. No problem. What I want to end my section on is um, coaching. Lynn, do you have a coach? I try not to tell anybody, but yeah, it's a secret. Okay. Oh, no. Most people are like, oh, I don't have a coach. I don't need somebody to teach me how to lift weights. I know how to do that. Yet, yet all professional athletes, high competitive people have coaches for sports and all this. So it's yeah, like, all the high yeah. performers do it. So I'm just yeah. going to copy what they do. And I, I honestly, I, I think I, I, I knew that you had one. So uh, someone offered me a, a career coach on a trial basis for one month. So I jumped all over it because it's free for the first month. What I've experienced so far is what I wanted to share with you is they can be expensive, right? But as we mentioned, high performers in all aspects of either life, career, work, play, have coaches. And what I've been experienced is that some things that my coach so far has brought up are things that seem so obvious, but somehow the coach gets me to execute on, on these things. And I don't know, sometimes it seems so logical. Like we started on scheduling and, and time blocking and stuff like that. And you know, for some people it comes naturally. I don't know if it's because I came from W2 and I'm going to this during the real estate, it, it, 
it's a shift, a lot of more freedom from the standpoint of you don't have someone watching over you. But I'm learning to really master my schedule for one thing. And so the last bullet point I put is my wife brought up something really funny. So on my phone, my alarm goes off and she goes at it. Oh, I had a time block to do a certain task. And I told her I'm doing this coaching thing and she's telling me to, you know, use my calendar and, and become one with my, and so my wife says, yeah, I told you that many times before. And then she goes, only guys have coaches. And he goes, you know, who are the coaches? Women. And sure enough, the coach I'm using right now is a female. How about yours, Lee? May I see that? Mine's is, is a lady. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You, you figure out what res you respond to best. Some people, yeah. they like to be yelled at a little okay. bit. Yeah. Sometimes they like, they need to be coddled and like reasoned with and held by the hand. I don't know. You got to figure out what works for you. Exactly. Yeah. And what makes you change. So a pic the picture I was supposed to add in that blank spot that I forgot to was in reference to the movie North Shore. My always favorite line is, nobody listens to Turtle. It's true. Like you're not going to listen unless you put up money. You don't listen. And it's, you're paying for somebody to call you on your BS because you right. look at not even looking at yourself because it's hard to be self-reflecting on yourself but you look at other peers and look how little progress they may make and why right it's because ultimately they're kind of just putting their own bs in front of themselves and holding themselves out but by paying a coach you have that person you know their one job is to call you out and just to create that constant feedback loop so you continue quicker because you can get stuck in a loop Yep, so that's my, is that retirement? With MJ crying and he's so happy. That was when he retired? No, you know where that meme came from? I think his bobcats were getting kicked in the butt or something yeah. like that. I forget, but it was, it went very viral. I, I remember. Uh, maybe look it up, report back here, okay. but we'll, we'll get back to, if you guys want to check out Investing on the Mainland, check out my podcast, Simple Passive Cash Flow, Passive Investing. If you guys want to grab the freebie this month, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP to get a free book to learn more about a retirement tool. I think you did one of these, right, Dean? So this is like a self-directed Roth IRA, yeah. self-directed IRA. This is like a QRP solo 401k. Yeah. It's just another tool out there that people will use to get their retirement funds in the game, investing in real investments instead of just the cafeteria of options that you have yeah. that they want you to do. Promoting it here, but you know what, Dean, you like, we did, I don't know if you caught the office deal that we did, but my buddy who does the office deal, he works with a lot of family offices yeah. and he's, hey man, what are these, what's a solo for one k What's a self-directed IRA? And I was dumbfounded a little bit. And he, Dude, you never heard about this stuff? Yeah, like, yeah man, like, Rich, uber wealthy people, like $5 million up people, they don't do that stuff. They don't have retirement accounts yeah. for the many reasons why I've mentioned prior, won't get into it. But I don't know, me, him and I were just talking about it. And yeah, he said, none of my, none of my clients do that type of stuff. And then, but I told him like most of the people that listen here, we've been told to invest in these retirement plans with supposed tax benefits. And we just have a lot of money. So part of it is like using that, utilizing that money that got put in there in the first place. But hey, look, and just FYI, I did, did my research. So that was 2009 Mimi of Michael Jordan tearing up when he was inducted into the Basketball's Hall of Fame. And that was during his emotional speech. <laughs> oh, okay. I think where that got drawn in my head was like, they made these giant cardboard cutouts of his head of him crying, and then they would bring it to the Bobcats. I think when 
This guy was around. Like, yeah. Uh, so we'll move these uh, pretty quickly. So TSA, which is the folks that securitize the airports, their traffic counts are almost the halfway where it was prior pandemic. So things are slowly coming back up. And this is only as of March 2021. If you guys haven't gotten your third stimulus check, here was a kind of a chart that showed you how much you should have gotten. I'm thinking there's probably going to be two or three more stimulus checks. Or not, maybe not stimulus checks, but stimulus packages coming. I got through an alternative media source, but <laughs> often sometimes those alternative media sources are the best. So Ben Cardin, he's like a senator. So he was caught the slip of the tongue on a hot mic saying that the Democrats will most likely use reconciliation on an infrastructure plan as they did with the COVID relief plan. So basically what he's saying is Democrats will use their majority to fully and push these spending plans through now that the Democrats pretty much own the House, Senate and executive branch. Not saying it's a good thing or bad thing, but you know, I think you're going to see a lot more government spending and I don't really care. Ultimately, I think the money flows to the investors at the end of the day. Anyway, a few projections here. This one's from the conference board. They're expecting U.S. GDP growth to reach five to six percent for 2021 due to COVID-19 relief spending. Good news for those of you guys looking for a new market to invest. The top 10 population growth rankings in no particular order are Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, and Salt Lake City are your top 10 in the nation. Your losers are your Los Angeles, Orange County, Milwaukee, Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, and I think that's New Jersey. I know you got some stuff in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. But, uh, and I actually used to own it in Milwaukee too, and so that red spot, I was like, wow. Yeah, Chicago, I know you got Chicago stuff too, that one's on the decline, middle. Yeah, I'm in the process of trying to divest that one. Thank you, Lane. That's something that you've been consulting or letting me know in my on my shoulder. The I'm devil or the angel, I don't know which one. The devil or the angel was premier. yeah, you got rid of Chicago. Top cities for rent growth in 2020 per bigger pockets. Number one, Houston, two, Portland, then Dallas, Chicago, St. Petersburg, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, Round Rock, Texas, Oklahoma City, Scottsdale, Arizona, Killeen, Texas. I don't really understand this whole percent rent growth in 2020. That seems a little bogus to me. I'm just absorbing the top 10 is what I'm doing, absorbing this data. Here are some new home design trends. So some things that they're going to shop are doing less of or focusing on materials to build the house. At one time, we're all focused on these like lead certifications or low bulk materials, but that's going away and marketing is empathizing things like better sleep and easy to clean surfaces. So this impacts you, Dean. You as the Mr. Realtor salesman need to talk more about that. Nobody cares about the low bulk materials because everybody knows that they burn faster. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. In the hierarchy of needs, the, the safety and sanitation trumps the lowering your carbon footprint. Uh, or at least this is a trend. Whether it's right or wrong, maybe it's just fatigue. This is what they're saying. Did you place the windows in the right location? So they're saying that homeowners want to have their entry design. They don't want a front porch in the front because I guess they don't want to have unplanned conversations with their neighbors. 
don't know. This is the mainland. A lot of the data I come from these articles are all mainland folks, so maybe it's different. <laughs> I know when I lived on the mainland, nobody knows their neighbors' names. You say hi awkwardly, and you get in because you think they might stab you. <laughs> I never lived in nice areas, so that's how little but it was. Uh, functional tech. So. Going away are the old touchless tech and voice assistants. There's some still runway for growth, but they're looking at tech that identifies maintenance issues, like something breaking in your refrigerator, it tells you. I don't know, I don't have any of this stuff. All my appliances are from the 1990s. More preventive than reactive, it sounds like. Yeah. You gotta think, we're a decade or two behind the mainland, right? What was that new development out there on the west side? Like, yeah, the one we were just talking about. Oh, Makamai? Yeah, it looks nice, open floor concept. Mm -hmm. But yeah, guys, like they've been doing that on the mainland since 2000. You know, we're first getting about now. Here's an interesting one. Home offices have been historically located in the front of the house. Now they want people want it in the back. Yeah, and then young families will start to invest in the home. Supposedly, the theory is they have less disposable incomes, young families want private spaces, the healthier home, the multifunctional kitchen, and the sanctuary bathrooms. That is if they can afford it, right? Yeah. You can want all this stuff, but you can't afford it, you can't buy a house. But the priority is being placed there because everyone's spending so much more time in the house. You got a daughter, the old Disney stores might be closing, they're closing across the nation. Home mortgages are back up in terms of volume, you can see that uptick the last three quarters. Top 10 markets for population growth. This is a different source, ALNdata.com. Phoenix, Arizona, Tampa, Florida, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Atlanta, Seattle, Palletville, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Denver, Colorado, Orlando, Florida. But the top four greatly more than all the rest. Yeah, yeah. This article talks about what the young people were doing during COVID. A lot of them were moving back in with their parents. Obviously, the 18 to 24 year olds were more than the 25 to 29 year olds, but it happened and it looks like they got tired of their parents or the parents got tired of them. So supposedly moving back out. Of course, I'm sure Hawaii does not impact this data one bit. This is all national data. In terms of top population loss, New York City is by far the biggest loser and followed by Los Angeles, Chicago, Grand Rapids, Birmingham, Shreveport, Springfield, North Arkansas, Buffalo, Richmond, but by a little bit. New York City is the by far the biggest loser. I think we've seen a couple, this Phoenix mixed use project takes great step, a lot of development coming there. This is a big thing, this build to rent concept is coming because a lot of young folks, they want new stuff. They may not be able to afford it in the best place or the biggest properties, but they want new stuff. Whether that's a condo on Kaka'ako or that other place you're talking about earlier, they want new stuff. And if they can't afford it to buy it, well, they want to live in it. So there's a lot of things coming through for build to rent. One of that is here in Phoenix. Market five-year rent growth projections over the national average. This is the, what they're predicting in the next five years is going to happen. Your top five are Phoenix, Inland Empire, which is San Bernardino area, Dallas, Fort Worth, Atlanta, Baltimore. More development. But yeah, that's up to the end of my report. I run the family office on a mastermind, a group of actually more than 50 people are in this group now, all accredited investors investing in syndication deals, building a network. Your network is your net worth, as we say. If you guys want to download all the turnkey rental audio trainings, you can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey dash download. 
to get that there. Let's go to some of these questions. Thoughts on the Fed no longer reporting M1, M2 money supply? Good question. I don't know exactly. I don't really follow that the M1, M2 thing. But what I do know is they're usually typically underreporting inflation and all those types of numbers. And why are they doing that? The way things work, the U.S. government runs up all this debt. And luckily, because we control the world's monetary policy, we can print all this money. A lot of people think, which I don't think is true, that at some point this is all going to come crashing down, just like how if Dean went up and ran his credit cards at Costco continuously. I just don't really see that happening because we control the money supply. And but the, the I mean, smart that would mean the U.S. as an economy would fail basically because you can't make your debt payments. But in actuality, I think what the United States is doing is very smart because we run up all this debt. And we just push it to the future so we can pay it back in future dollars. Mm -hmm. So if Dean goes and buys, let's just put it this way, maybe Dean's grandpa went and bought a house way back in the good old days for $50,000, which was a crazy amount, just astronomical amount of debt at that time. Today, that house is worth a lot more, but more importantly, that debt that he locked in isn't worth jack. And this is how the United States government is doing things with the debt. A lot of people think it's irresponsible. But when you use debt responsibly, you can make your debt payments. You're just waiting for inflation to come in and decay it away. Fledging, yeah, hedging out of inflation. And I think we're creating all of this, printing all this money. Isn't that what Japan has been doing for the last 25, 30 years? Their economy has been, and they're still trying to get their economy up and running. And COVID didn't help. But my understanding is that they've been doing this for a lot longer than we have in terms of continuing to print money and getting into bigger debt was my understanding, I could be wrong. Yeah, and I think this is just two guys talking, but exactly. what I hear is Japan's, the difference between Japan and the United States is the United States has a growing population yeah. and we have a much, much better GDP per ratio right. of our debt, where Japan's economy is withering and they have an aging population. They actually have to have sponsored dating events so people procreate, yeah. people don't want to get married anymore. They don't want to have kids. And it's not good for an economy for that to happen. They got all sorts of problems, man. Yeah. I heard all these, like, I heard some rumors that if the Tokyo Olympics didn't happen, Japan was just going to blow up. Who knows what's going to happen now? I don't know. You hear about all these things, right? That's why I stopped listening to all the noise out there. People are always like proclaiming the world's going to end tomorrow. Better do this. Better not do that. Like crypto, know. if the US dollar is going to fail and our economy just crashes, then Go to crypto. So I, I was listening to another presentation the other day because I got all this time in the world to do this. <laughs> but one interesting thing I learned from that presentation was that the countries that are adopting crypto as their primary currency are all the countries in turmoil. Like think like Nigeria, where they don't trust their own currency and their own country or government. Where I think America is the quite the opposite. Yeah, we still have institutional, institu large institutions starting to get involved all year. So that's exciting. Right. I think crypto is one of those asymmetric risk type of investments. If your net worth is under half a million, million dollars, I wouldn't be putting more than one to 5% of your net worth into it. If you got money to burn, you got a higher net worth. Yeah, maybe gamble with a little bit more, right? If you're more risk adverse. Have well, at it, ratchet I, that percentage up, but I go to Vegas me. anymore, so that's my blackjack. Yeah, if that's a, I think you're consciously you have a certain percentage of your portfolio, then that makes sense. I, right. I, I buy it. Agreed. Just do it responsibly because it maybe end up like the blackjack money that you take to Vegas. 
But if there's no more questions or comments, we will see you guys on the next time we do one of these things. Thanks for the questions, folks. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to shoot us an email, uh, get a hold of us, and give us some feedback. If you guys like this stuff, let us know what you guys think about the new format. But we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Free real estate investing group. Check out realoha.com. We're just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal, tax, or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.